Good. Good morning. I love children and baby dedications. It is so hard for me to get through them. Today I was strong. But it just there's such a seriousness. There's such a seriousness of raising our children. And it's one of those things that, uh, especially when you know, just knowing Heather and who Heather is, I, I know it is her desire to raise her daughters in the ways of Jesus. And that's a big job, right? Moms of, of teenagers... Moms of college students? Any, co- any moms of college students? How about any moms that have gra- grown kids here? Where are you? There you go. How hard is it? Does it ever end? Does it end? You know, I, I'm always saying, Sue and I always joke around that like we had kids when we were really, really young. And so we always joke around, when, when I'm 49, all my kids will be out of the house. Like that sounds pretty young for this day of age, right? I'm like, 49, we're done. And then I see my parents and how they still try to parent us. I'm like, oh, this is never going to end. But what's that? They don't leave that early? Okay, shoot. They don't leave that early. So we're kind, of, we're kind of making up a rule that all of our kids need to go to California for school for one year. No, I'm just joking. We, uh, we're actually right now in the college stages with Brandon as a junior, uh, really just praying about where he's going to go. But I think about children dedications, that the conversations that, that we are having, not only when they're little, but just as important, if not, are the conversations we're having now conversations on the way home from the gym, conversations on the way home from school. And parents, we miss those opportunities. We truly do. And I just want to challenge you, like, don't miss those opportunities. Because for all those parents that have gone before us, so many of them say, you know, I have regrets. We have to learn to live parenting lives with no regrets. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, before we get started, I just want to pray. And I want to ask that God's Spirit would be with us. This is one of the the most bizarre Sundays of the year. It's usually this Sunday, uh, the first week in January, uh, the week after Easter, that so many times people have a hard time connecting with church because they just have this, this time off. And so you really have no idea what's going to go on on a Sunday morning like this. You don't even, even for a worship leader, it's very difficult because people come in exhausted. Even though they've been resting for the last like three days, they're just, they're tired from just being with people. Um, they're tired with just enjoying too much food. And right now we're all kind of like sucking in our stomachs right about now, right? Okay, that's why I un- untucked my shirt today. Um, but, it, but it's one of those Sundays that, that we're almost out of it. And I want to challenge us, as I said last week, that let's not have that posture as a church. Let's walk through this Christmas season and let's truly believe that God is great. That God is good. That God is glorious. And God is gracious. Because I truly believe that every single day that we walk this earth, that God wants to reveal Himself in a new way. And so this morning, we are going to talk about God is great, so I don't have to be in control. How do you like how that sounds? God is great. Can you say that? God is great, so I don't have to be in control. Half of you didn't even say that. So I don't have to be in control. And so I want to pray that this morning, that this morning is a morning for some of you, that you have that Kairos aha moment. 
to realize that you have to stop being in control because it's not doing you any good. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, I ask You for Your presence to fall. And God, I thank You for that time of worship. I thank You for the the song, New Day, that, that today is a new day. It's a new start for everyone who has You. God, I thank You for the song Emmanuel that that we stop and we recognize that You are God with us. And God, this morning I ask You that in the midst of all that goes on in the holiday season, God, the, the family fun and the family chaos and the family issues. God, the, 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 have, the desire of having to, to do more than, than we physically can. God, this, this pressure of spending money that, that we shouldn't or we don't have for all wrong reasons. God, I ask You today that You would silence all of that and You would allow us this morning to focus on one thing. That God, You are great. And so today I can choose that I don't want to be in control. And I pray this in Your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last week we had talked about belief. How many of you were here last week to hear about the whole belief thing? And for many of you, it was one of those times where there was a lot of aha going on. There's a lot of these kairos moments where, where our beliefs, like we have this idea of we believe in a big God. We believe in a creator of the universe. We, cre- we believe that, that God had created and formed the universe in His hands. Let's think about how big God is. Let me just read you a few things. That if we were to go at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per hour, seconds, thank you, we would encircle the earth seven times in one second. And we would pass the moon twice. So if we were going 186,000 miles per second, we would circle the earth seven times and pass the moon twice. But think about how big this universe is. And we look at it like, wow, that's huge. Do you know that the, the nearest galaxy is over 100,000 years away if we were to travel there? That the next galaxy is over 100,000 years away. And do you know how many galaxies they say that God had formed? 100 quadrillion. Now, what is quadrillion? Is that even a number? Like when I read this last week, I'm thinking like quadrillion is just a number when you don't have a number for something. And yet we say that as a a community of faith, as a church, that we believe in this God, this Creator of the universe, not just of our little universe, of our little planets and our, and our stars and our sun and our moon, but, but we say that we believe in a God that created all things. That He created a hundred thousand quadrillion, a hundred quadrillion galaxies. 
We say we believe that, correct? And then during this Christmas season, we take it from this huge picture and we bring it even a little bit tighter and we say that, that we believe in a God who created us. And that we believe in this, this great God that when He saw the fall of humanity in the garden, when His greatest creation had sinned, had chosen to disobey His one, one law. That He loved us so much, this great God, how big He is, and He keeps getting smaller and smaller, that He loved us so much that He sent His Son for us. And so we come here this morning and we're saying that we believe in this great God, this vast God, this God during this Christmas season that that He loves humanity so much that He sent His one and only Son. Not that there's all these paths to God that lead to heaven, but there's one path, one person, one God that loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. Let me read you a verse about God's greatness. It's found in Isaiah 40.12. Who else has held... Listen to this. This is an imagery. Who else has held the oceans in His hand? Who has measured off the heavens with His fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? We're saying we believe in this great, huge, humongous God. But let me ask you this, if God is in control of the heavens and the earth, the real question that we need to wrestle with this Christmas season, because you're going to have family issues. Anyone have those over Thanksgiving? Okay, anyone? Right? Someone just clapped, Omar just clapped, he had some family issues over Christmas. Usually don't clap about that. Okay? Who else, who else came into this place of conflict when, when you had to have everyone over or someone said, hey, I need you to bring this food and, and you looked at your bank account and said, I don't know if we can. What about the, the thing of traveling or work or all these different things and all of a sudden you stopped and you looked at everyone else's life and you thought their lives were better. Right? But do we truly believe this is the tension we need to come to as a church? Do we believe that God is so great that I don't have to be in control? Let me read you a a verse found in Ephesians 1. It says, and, and, and I want to read this, not just a way to encourage you, but but I want you to ask this verse a question to yourself. Look at this verse and and really ask the hard question. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, that we are united with Him, that we are one, we have received an inheritance from God. What's an inheritance? It's the ownership of your parents. Do we truly believe that we have received an inheritance from God? For He chose us in advance. And He makes everything work out according to His plan. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us in advance. 
And he makes everything work out according to his plan. This is the tension that we wrestle with. We love to read Genesis. Matter of fact, we really don't like to read Genesis anymore because we like to question Genesis now, right? That's like the new thing. Let's question creation. Let's question if God is really so great that He created in the way that He wrote about. But we can read Scripture and we can believe about this great God that empowered this little boy to to take down a giant, right? But none of us want to be that little boy. We believe that that God is so bizarre and so foreign that, that He actually used a prostitute to rescue the people of Israel. Like that sounds cool. Like that sounds like kind of like a Hollywood movie, but, but eh, I don't really know if I, like if I was in that position, would I really trust that individual? We believe that, that God, yes, that, that 2,000 years ago that He sent His Son, but the tension is, is that does He really love and care so much about me? That He has everything already planned for my life. I mean, think about this. Do you really believe that? Think of it this way. How do you handle the times when you are unable to be in control? This could be like an AA meeting, right? Hi, my name's Rob Parker. I lost control yesterday. (laughs) Seriously. It's so true because let's think about the little things, okay? What happens to you when you're working on a project at work and all of a sudden you thought you saved everything and you open your computer and it wasn't there? What do you scream? We're going to say nicely, no! And who do, you, who do you shake your fist at? Whose fault was it? It's God's. Right? Doesn't it always come back to God? I mean, this happened to me two weeks ago. I finished my sermon. I was praying over it. I was crying. I'm like, someone's getting saved. And then I lost it. Back to the drawing board. God, this was for you. I gave my day in study and prayer. And you made me lose it. Think about driving to an appointment. Or let, let's make it a little bit more, a little more tension-filled. My wife's laughing right now because she has a little... Or do you speed sometimes? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were... Because I was bringing up a car thing. So in this, here we, here we, you're late to an appointment. It's a job interview. And all of a sudden, you get in traffic. What do you do? Who do you get angry at? Whose fault is it? Do you know how many times I have left on time to go into the city for an appointment? And I'm sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic. And who am I mad at? I'm mad at God. I want to be in my buddy's Lamborghini, and I just want to pull a Bruce Almighty and open the roads and fly down as fast as I can. I want to do that. Think about with parenting. How often is it with your kids on a weekend such as this, when you're about to get ready, And your kids, your teenagers, start arguing with you. Doors start slamming. And all of a sudden, you have lost control. All the teenage parents are looking at each other. Who do you get mad at? God! 
Why can't we just have one special holiday? Think about that child who left home. That you thought you did everything right, everything possible, and they chose to live a completely different lifestyle than you have prayed for them their whole life. Or what about marriage? When you try to be that, that loving spouse, male or female, I have a friend right now, he, he just went through a really horrific situation. And so often we hear about the women who really step up to the plate and try to work it out and work it out and work it out, right? That's, that seems it. But my one buddy had fought for his marriage. He did everything. He tried to do everything he could. And at the end, it didn't work. Who could he get angry at? You see, the biggest question is, how do we react to others and to God when we don't get things our way? We take over control. We take over the one thing that God does not want us to possess. And in this idea of control, we start doing everything and anything to get our way. To get our lives back on target as we believe they're supposed to. And we do this at any cost. We make bad decisions. We hurt people. We offend people. We do things that we said that we would never ever compromise the moment we lose control. And not only do we feel that we lose control, we start blaming others and we start blaming God because things have not worked out the way that we have planned. I want to read you a quote from a minister by the name of Tim Chester. I read a quote from him last week. If you do not trust God's sovereign control, then you might try to take control yourself in harmful ways through manipulation or domination. Do you hear that? You may try to take control through manipulation and domination. If you are worn out with, with busyness and stress, it may well be because you do not trust God's control. God's rule is not good enough or great enough. So you are pushing Him to one side and taking control yourself. Our security and our wealth will become our priority instead of God's kingdom. Think about that. Our security and our wealth will become our priority instead of God's kingdom. And here's a thought of mine. The reason we need to control is we do not believe our Father knows our needs. Our complete needs. We doubt. We doubt Him. We doubt His ability. We doubt His presence. And we doubt His power for our lives. This idea of control is, is one of the hardest issues that we struggle with. And the problem is, is that 
especially growing up in an area that we live in right now, you have to succeed. You have to have a, a standard of living. Let's, let's be honest. There is a standard of living that we all believe that we have to obtain. Is that fair to say? There's a standard of, of what success is. There's a standard of, of happiness. There's a standard that, that when you're born into this area, that you're saying, this is my starting point. And I see that as a, as a teenager, I, I wrestled with that. I wrestled with, with what was I going to drive? What was I going to do? How was I going to over-succeed my father when my father had great success? And that's true for all of you who either live in this area or grew up in this area, that that is a called control. What do I have to do to control my life, my ambitions, and my future? I mean, parents of kids right now, parents, if you have seniors, if you have juniors, are you more focused on your kids knowing the gospel or going to a great college? And I'm not saying that, that, that there, there has to be both, that, that your kid, like if they're academic, great, they need to go to college. They need to go to a school where they can thrive. But, but is that your God? Or is teaching them that God has a perfect plan for their life? You see, there's this tension that we live in that, that literally control becomes an idol. We think about idols as, as these wooden statues of, of these different objects that we turn on National Geographic and, and you see these people dance around these, these objects of worship. We can even say that, that idols have become television or money or, or our idol is that our cell phone that we spend more time worshiping or being on something like this than we do communicating with, with our spouses or our children. We're more consumed with Facebook being that idol trying to, to keep up and pretend that I got this great life and, and really half, I'm sorry, 80% of the people on Facebook are living a fake life. Trust me, every one of my friends, they always make themselves seem better than they really are. And so I haven't been on Facebook for a long time. We have this idea of idols, but do you know the greatest idol that we struggle with in humanity is control? We worship control. And I struggle with it as a parent. I struggle with wanting my kids to, to listen to me. And if they don't listen to me, my, my face gets a little bit scarier. Right, Parkers? Look at, Sue, look at Becky. Yeah. My voice gets a little bit louder. And I become like a, like a bear and I puff up. I actually, this weekend, I, I told my, my kids that, that I'm really fed up with how I've done this. And I said, I'm going to have a yelling jar. That every time I yell, not discipline, because we need to discipline our children. Every time I yell, I'm putting five bucks in the jar. And then I'm giving it away. Someone's going to be a lot really wealthy because of me. But I realized that I tried to control them that I think that my presence 
And my voice is going to really change who they are. And so I look at control as an idol. True confessions. Because let's look at what an idol is. Is An idol is anything or even anyone that we put before God thinking they can change the outcome and circumstances of my life. An idol is anything or anyone that I put before God that I believe that I put all my expectations in that can change the outcome of my circumstances and my life. And the reason we worship idols is because we have an expectation of what is going to change. And so when that thing does not change, what do we feed more? We feed that idol. So when things in my life do not change, I feed control, meaning I become more controlling. Control is an idol of the heart because we believe that our abilities are greater than God. Control is an idol of the heart because we believe that our abilities are greater than God. Price that comes from such an idol of control is loneliness. Right? You ever find yourself being like, why isn't anyone talking to me? Overworked. How many of you are controlling at work that you work so hard that you see no change and no real production. And all you do, there you go, people raising their hands. And all you do is you work harder and harder. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over with nothing changing. But that's what we do with control. Symptoms of not believing that God is great. Here are some symptoms. Worry. Anyone have worry? Can I get five? Anxiety. Stress. Restlessness. Insomnia. And anger. And how does control manifest? Overworked. Manipulation. Lying. Lashing out. And isolation. How it affects others. Feeling controlled. Feeling condemned. Feeling judged. Feeling that they cannot live up to your standards. I grew up in a very religious extended family. Where religion, what they identified as faith was controlling. And there was many times that I would sit with my grandparents and I felt the pressure of them controlling how I had to believe. Not trusting that the Holy Spirit was already at work in my life. And I started finding myself that, that I had to do all these things, that I had to control my faith. And so if I have to control my faith, who then do I need to control next? My loved ones. And then if I couldn't control them, who do I control next? And control becomes our God. Even in our faith, 
We try to control God with the expectation that whatever we do, however we choose to live perfectly for Him, then God will bless me. Is control an idol of yours? Do you find yourself in a place that you have to be in control of every single circumstance? You know what's hard? When you're a controller and God gives you something you can't control. That for some of you is the the biggest test of faith. What about losing a job? How do you handle that? I mean, think about the economy that we've just gone through. How many competent people lost work for no reason but to make budget cuts? Think about that. So if you can't control your job, you can't control your finances, then you can't control how your family lives, then you can't control, and it just goes right down down and down and down. You see, we control because we have expectations put on ourselves that are unhealthy and unfair. And what we do when we put these expectations on ourselves, we don't allow God to be great. We don't allow God to show up. We don't allow God to surprise us. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives. We don't allow God in the midst of our storms to stop them. When we have to be in control, what we do is we take God's greatness and we push Him aside, excluding Him from blessing us and being present in every single moment of our day. You see, this is one of the issues that Jesus contended with as He walked the face of the earth. He saw the Pharisees. He saw the Sadducees. He saw the disciples. And all of a sudden, in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, he, he saw all the control that was going on. All the manipulation. And as He was teaching, He stopped and He said this, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Stop it. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Do we truly believe this? Do we truly believe that, as the Old Testament says, that that God is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider? Do we truly believe that, that everything that has happened today, God will use, God will redeem, 
God even has a plan for your sorrow and pain. That in all of this, He's going to do something amazing and beautiful. You see, when we come to Jesus, we take our control and we say, I don't want it anymore because my control has ruined my life. My controlling myself, my controlling my future, my controlling those who I loved has ruined my life and I'm giving it back to you. And what we do is when we say that, we say, God, we are going to live not in a place of expectation, but a place of expectancy. That God, that as I walk with you, as I follow you, you will be my provider. You will fulfill the plan that you have already written thousands of years ago from eternity that, that you planned on me. You planned on my future. And in this broken, distorted world, that your plan is going to shoot right through all that is broken. You see, if we truly believe that God knows all and God has done all, that even in this broken world that, that our lives are like zigzagging, that God takes His perfect plan in our chaos and shoots right through it as we walk with Him. And that His plan is always, always perfect. Let me read to you two passages. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Let's take a second and just keep that up for a moment. Read that. Do you truly believe that? I mean, think about the, the child dedication today. Savannah. As a parent, trusting that verse on your child is the greatest liberty and hardest thing to ever believe. Let me read you another one. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Let's come back to the Christmas narrative that we read for our Advent reading. That passage was a 14-year-old girl who was told that she was pregnant with child. She didn't have a choice. You know, we really don't read in Scripture that she had a choice, yay or nay. She was just birthed with this child. And she had this place that was I going to walk in faith and truly, truly believe that God is fully in control of my life? That everything about my tomorrow and my today is dependent on Him? That her engagement was questioned? That her future was challenged? And all of a sudden, this 14-year-old girl had to live a life of expectancy, believing that God is so great that every single day for the rest of my life, He has to be in control. And then you take the flip side, King Herod. 
King Herod, what did he do when he lost control? He wanted every child from the age of two and under to be destroyed. Because he was terrified because he did not know when this child was exactly born. And so he was going to control the situation so much that he was going to slaughter everyone from a certain age down. I think sometimes our lives look more like King Herod. Amen? I think sometimes our lives look like King Herod that, that we don't believe that God is great. So, so we take everything to be in control. And this weekend, I repented to my children. I don't want to control you. I don't want to have to verbally, and I'll use the word, bully you to get my way. That's a hard word to say in this day of age, bully, but that's what we do. We bully people. We bully others. We bully our spouses. We manipulate situations. And it's not only about getting, what, getting our way, but it's also about what we don't want to do. And so we do everything to manipulate around because we truly challenge God. Are you great? I love little Mary. Because at the age of 13, 14, she came to a place. And she, says, she said, God, you're great. That was that song. What we read was that, that song of celebration that God, you're so great that you're fully in control. You're in control of my yesterday, everything that happened in my past. You're in control of today, everything that I'm going to walk through in this moment. And you are fully in control of tomorrow, my future. So let me challenge you with this. Who is great in your life? Is it God? Or is it you? Because I trust and believe that God works together for the good of all who love Him and are called by His name. And so this Christmas season... Not just in the big things, but in the everyday. Choose to let go of your control and allow God to be great in every single circumstance. Does this resonate with anyone? Anyone need to hear this this morning? We all struggle with this. So here's our confession of faith. That's what communion is. Communion is, is, is confession of faith. Matter of fact, when you hear the word mass in a Catholic church, do you know what mass means? Gospel. That's all the word mass means, gospel. So when we come up, we are coming forward and we are confessing, God, you are great. 
and I am not in control. I want to invite the band to come up as we go to communion. I'll ask Jeremy to come up and help me over here in communion as well. And I want to pray. And as we know, we, I always say something to you, we say something to you that come to the communion table and gospel yourself by taking the bread and dipping it and saying, God, You are great. So I will not be in control. God, You are great. So I will not be in control.